0: 104.7, The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
1: Touchdown, Kansas City!
0: Now, it's time for Ned Talk.
1: It is a gorgeous Sunday afternoon, perfect day to spend some time talking about sports sports. And whatever else we can come up with, I'm Joe Weston, joined as always by Ned Reynolds for Ned Talk. Ned, how are you today? Oh, you're absolutely right,
2: too. It is a beautiful Sunday. Sun is out, it's nice and warm, and we're talking baseball. What more can yeah, you
1: do?
3: Yeah, exactly. John Oliver across from me. John, how are you? I'm doing well. We got a little bit of a reprise or a reprieve from the uh, 10 straight days of rain I think we're headed for. So.
1: Yeah, nice warm weather out there, and it'll probably be muggy by the time... Uh, all this passes oh, away. Yeah. Ned doesn't care, Perfectly though. Perfectly all right. Perfectly all, all right. Me too, yeah. Ned. Me too. <laughs>
4: Josh Roberts with us. Josh, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm I'm. I'm also enjoying how beautiful it is outside. I'm going to try to get outside some today. We'll see.
1: Like that sweat in your undercarriage? You like oh, all yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, I
4: love it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's start out with something that we, we were, were covering last week as it happened. Albert Pujols was released by the Angels. Of course, huge story for all of us Cardinals people. Uh, yesterday, story broke that it looked like the Cardinals were expressing some interest in him, and then, bang, signs with the Dodgers. Ned, thoughts?
2: First, when the uh, notice came through, I was I was surprised and uh, very much in question as to what on earth are the Dodgers doing, signing this guy? It's a National League number one, and really feel like he would ever go with the Cardinals. There's just simply limited room for him there. But then, as the uh, NFL officials, or the referees, upon further review, <laughs> uh-huh. hey, a little research shows you that's a classic move by Los Angeles. Several reasons. Number one, here's a team that's the reigning World Series champions. Got off to a great start, and now they have dwindled because of injuries. You've Guys like you know Cody Bellinger and Corey Seager and the second baseman, Zach McKinstry. They're, they're, all, they're, they're coming back. Don't get me wrong. They're not out for the year. Mookie Betts has been playing with a bad back, so their power structure has been greatly diminished. The big one is Max Muncie is the first baseman on this team. He's an all-star, really good player. His backup is a guy named Edwin Rios, who played down here in the Texas League about, I'm going to say, three or four years ago with the Tulsa Drillers. And I think, if I remember correctly, he set a one-month record for home runs down here. The guy's a big-time power hitter. OUT for the year. Yep. He uh, was put on the disabled list for a year yesterday. as has to undergo shoulder surgery. Suddenly, Albert Pujols becomes very attractive because that's what he does is play first base. Well, the Dodgers apparently have told him, you, you'll play some. You're mostly going to be on the bench. Depth, all these championship teams have great depth. And the Dodgers' depth has been diminished now with Rios being out of there. Uh, you'll play some because Max Muncy can also play second base. Correct. Put the two of them in there and have a very big power structure because, after all, Albert's Albert. He can still hit the ball, 667 career home runs. But in my opinion, the biggest selling point of all was the fact that holes had his ego stroked a little bit, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have to move. He's right there right. He's been oh, yeah. in Los Angeles for a decade. Doesn't mm-hmm. have to worry about moving the family Anything like that, money is obviously not a problem. I think it's a classic move by the Dodgers.
1: I would say another big selling point, too, is obviously the Dodgers will be in contention to repeat this year. So, I mean, that had to be something as Albert Pujols winds down his career. He'd like to add another championship to his resume.
2: He will also be playing, and I haven't checked the schedule to see if it's three or four, but he'll be playing one, three, or four against the Cardinals in St. Louis ah, on perfect. one trip in there, and that makes a big difference.
0: okay.
3: John, what do you think about this move by the Dodgers? Uh, I agree with a lot of what Ned said. You know, on the surface, when I first saw the announcement, I thought, oh, why not an A.L. team? You know, use the DH. Obviously, the wheels aren't there anymore. Um, He's a proud guy. I think he thinks he has a lot left in the tank, and I'm not one to doubt him, as I've heard a lot of people around Major League Baseball say. Uh, Ned brought up a good point. Right now, Seager's out with a broken hand. That's going to be an extensive injury. Bellinger has been out. Muncy has flexibility to play around the infield. Not only can he play second, they've talked about putting him at third. So you've also got Gavin Lux, who's kind of an all-star utility guy, if you will, all-purpose, who can play all of the infield positions. So it gives them a chance right now while, while they are depleted, to let Pujols play a little first and see what happens. And then when these guys are back, Ned hit it on the head. What a nice presence to have off the bench. And especially, you know, if they have any interleague games left, you can put him in the DH spot and see what he can do from there. John, what are you, or Josh, what's your thoughts?
4: Well, I, just like these guys, I was kind of surprised at first, but then reading a little bit about it, the other thing that they said was one of the reasons they wanted, or they were they were looking at Pujols is because, The Dodgers have been terrible against left-handed pitchers Mm -hmm. this year, and Pujols is a really good hitter against lefties. And so that was an an appeal for them as well, is to shore up that part of their game. Seems like the Dodgers making a lot of moves early. Not only did they
1: get Pujols, they signed a player from the Rays organization as a backup utility player. But as you said, they're going through a lot of injuries right now, Mm -hmm. which is uh, something over 162-game season that teams have to deal with. And something I wanted to talk to you about, Ned, last week was the um, one of the analytics that's going through baseball right now and has hit my team, the Yankees, is this analytic about days off. And I don't know if you know much about it or if you've seen it, but it's kind of interesting that they have broken down the numbers to see where players how often they get hurt by how many games that they play. Mm -hmm. So they're trying these scheduled day offs, much like they do in the NBA. And it kind of flies in the face of uh, traditional baseball. Do you know, have you seen much about this? No, I
2: haven't, but I do understand where they're coming from. With a 154 game schedule the way it used to be, you had built in days off. With Mm a 162, even though the schedule and, and season is a little bit longer, early April until early October. You still have a limited number of days off. That midsummer vacation, which the All-Star Game presents, is fine. But every human being, I don't care if you're a big-time athlete or what, does have to have a period, short period of time, the younger you are, to rest and regain the ability, regain the rhythm of life, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And I think there's probably a a whole lot of credibility to what you read. No, I must admit to you, I haven't read it, but it doesn't surprise me at all.
1: You're listening to Ned talk on Wonder 4.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. John, I don't know if you've studied much about this, but mm-hmm. where it kind of flies in the face of traditional baseball thinking, you got a guy for the Yankees like John Carlos Stanton who's been extremely hot, played, has been playing up to the caliber of baseball that they hope to get from him, which I'm quite excited about. But he will have like five, play four good games in a row, and then they'll bench him.
3: That's the exact example that came to mind. And it's funny you mentioned that. I've heard a lot of rumblings about this scheduled day off thing. And when I was looking at the Yankees box scores, because honestly, I'm that guy. I look at all the box scores just to kind of see how guys are doing. Stanton's been on an absolute tear. He's hitting close to over 300 been driving in runs, hitting a lot of homers, and to see him sit when he's so red hot, yeah, that does fly in the face of that. Now, you know, at times you've seen guys get a day off. The Cardinals do this with guys. If they see somebody scuffling, like a Paul DeYoung or someone like that, they'll give him a day off just to rest, recollect, come back and hope he, you know, catches fire. To do that in the middle of when a player is hot, to me is about the quickest way to probably kill that streak that player has. So I don't like that. I'm fine with days off. I think there are appropriate times during the year because every player is going to slump or have a bad few games. But to do it scheduled to where you're taking away someone who is really on a very, very good streak, it, it absolutely defies baseball logic to me.
1: Yeah, it's something that I just I heard about and I wanted to get your opinion about it last week, Ned, because, you know, one of the things that we we always talk on this show about analytics and sabermetrics that go into baseball. Baseball is probably the most statistically analyzed (laughs) sport Mm -hmm. of all of them. And I think there's all of us love baseball for that particular one of the reasons we love it. But then there's overkill with it. And that's where I think all of us kind of fall out with sabermetrics. Let's talk about baseball and what's going on in the world of baseball because the hottest team in baseball (laughs) up until the last two days has been our own St. Louis Cardinals. Neb, what have they been doing right Getting a lot of breaks. This mm-hmm. is not meant to be
2: negative at all because if you think they have a good team, how good they are, I think, remains to be seen. But look at some of the teams they've been beating up on. And another one they're playing this week, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They mm-hmm. return to St. Louis. Well, the Cardinals will probably sweep then three straight. Should, mm-hmm. except that it'll be two straight. They're only playing two games. Yep. <laughs> all right. But they had the Colorado Rockies among the worst teams in baseball. And that mm-hmm. built into a, a stretch in which they could develop some rhythm. They also got some... They also got some breaks. The one game that they won 9-8 over the Rockies, Carlos Martinez, was horrible yes. in that game. And as a result, I think you're getting a situation in which the stars are aligned right now. i me tell you, I'm telling these guys, folks, I had the opportunity to visit with Mike Shannon last week. And while Mike is now a little bit longer of tooth and maybe has some problems, he still makes a lot of sense. I asked him about that. I said, what's your thought on the Cardinals? And he said, quote, They're walking too many. The pitchers are walking way too many. And it resonated because they did have a game a couple weeks ago where they had 11 walks. They beat that the other night with 12. 12 on Friday night in a game in which they got four hits. uh, I'm sorry, which the Padres got four hits, got out, hit 8-4, lost the game 5-4. Five runs, four hits, 12 walks. You cannot have that in any stretch of, of, of any level of baseball. That doesn't work. So I think part of the uh, part of their fallibility, so to speak, will fall into how accurate their pitchers are, how much of an offensive streak they can get on with Goldschmidt and Arnado, and now De Young is out. Well, he's on the disabled list for a couple of days. But uh, over and above that, what kind of a rhythm that they can get into? Uh, I, they're, they're a good team but I don't perceive them as being a great team. Mm-hmm.
1: They got off to kind of a, a slow start, but since that slow start, they've had the best record in baseball, 7 and 3 over the last 10 games. Let's go across the state and talk about the Royals who got off to a fast start, but are <laughs> 2 and 8 over their last games and they're not playing very good baseball and they're also playing the tougher teams yes, Chicago, white Sox, cleveland indians mm-hmm. uh the
2: minnesota twins are off to a horrendous start but they're a very good baseball yeah, team. they are i've looked
1: for the twins to come back this year watch them play they're a good team
2: and oh, see that's it, it's a matter of scheduling and a matter a matter of the the level of of play that you have facing you the weaker teams the good teams of course they're all on the schedule you all have to beat them uh, and the Royals have not. The Royals are in a slump. They'll come out of that slump. They won last night. So when you play these teams, and I'll tell you, the Chicago White Sox, La Russa, he has himself a powerhouse. Over yes, the he does. Cardinals <laughs> play them uh, next week.
0: Mm.
3: What do you think of the Royals, John? Uh, The Royals got off to a hot start because they had multiple guys. We talked about streaks with the day-off conversation earlier. You had a guy named Michael Taylor who came over from the Nationals that finally was starting to play up to the expectations the Nationals had for him when he came up. He was scorching the ball to the tune of about 380 Hitting the ball to all fields. He's cooled way down. He's down in the 240s now. Whit Merrifield, as good as a player he is, um, I'd say he ranks in the top AL hitters overall. He got off to a torrid start in the mid, you know, 340s, somewhere around there. He's down to 279. You're just seeing a lot of their hitters cool off, other than Salvador Perez, who is having a phenomenal offensive season. Just hit, I believe, his eighth or ninth home run uh, yesterday. And then the pitching's come back down to earth. The Royals have a lot of young pitchers. Brady Singer, you know, guys like that, that have performed well, but they're going to hit rough patches. The Detroit Tigers are in the same situation with their starters. They don't have the veteran presence there, and these guys aren't established. So the Royals, while they've got the potential and they showed it early in the season, they're going to go through rough patches like this. And Ned brought it up to playing these upper echelon teams, in the American League, are are going to you know force a few losses for them, Josh? What are your thoughts early
1: on in the baseball season?
4: I you know it's it's interesting. It's it seems to me like there's a lot of parity right now. Mm-hmm. You're seeing teams that have a they'll have a good run of ten games and then they'll have a bad run of ten games. Uh, I feel like what we talked about before about players uh, swinging for the fences is still part of the issue there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think going back kind of to what we were talking about earlier, uh, it's easy. Baseball is overanalyzed and baseball is <laughs> overstatusized. They they try to put too many statistics on it. Baseball, more than any other professional sport, is about half sorcery and half science. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so because think about it, I mean, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, too, about all the superstition and and uh, all of that stuff that really does the psychology of baseball. No other sport has that, in my opinion. And so I think that's part of the problem is when you, when you over, when you, the saber metrics and all the analytics and everything try to turn baseball into a widget and you can't because it's magic. We're going
1: to talk about that a little bit later on the show, Sports Superstition. That'll be our roundtable discussion. But we're continuing to talk about baseball right now. The hottest team, or the, I won't say they're the hottest, but they have the best record in baseball, the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. And, and Ned, you and I talked about this last week or a couple of weeks ago, that when I saw the lineup for the Red Sox, I was like, who? Who's that? Who's? Th- I've never heard of any of these guys. They're doing it kind of quietly this year with, they are coming they don't on have a lot of big-name players got off to a really
2: slow start at the very very beginning of the season but but boston's a good team yes. a good organization they can come on they can make a lot of noise the problem for them is they're in the same division with the yankees and the tampa bay rays and that's going to create a bit of difficulty for them but the fact is that if they can continue to play well uh, they can they can certainly be a championship contender down the stretch. The uh, <laughs> the team that puzzles me if they can ever find a home is Toronto. Uh, Toronto has some weapons on their team, but th- those poor guys. Yeah. Some of their games are in Dunedin, Florida. The others are in Buffalo, <laughs> yeah. New York, yeah. and they they're playing the- well.
3: They're playing fantastic. Oh, they are games.
2: playing well. They're a good that's baseball team. Just did. yes. Although the, uh, <clears throat> the Phillies took care of them the other night.
3: That's right.
1: They did. <laughs> they absolutely did. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here going through the records, John, and nothing stands out to me. I mean, the, the teams that are at the top are pretty bunched together with very similar records, 23 mm-hmm. wins, about 16 losses. The only one that's really kind of unusual is the Mets because they played... About seven fewer games than the teams, the rest of the teams in the division. And the other part of it is when you look at the teams that are at the bottom, it's really not that. There's nobody you go, well, I think the team that shocks me the most is the Twins at 13 Mm -hmm. and 24 because I've watched them play. That's a good team. The mm-hmm. reason the Mets have the lesser
2: games is that right at the very start of the season they played the Washington Nationals and those games were coveted if you can make a, a, a <laughs> verb out of it yep. coveted yes. out they'll make them up it'll all equal yeah up. Yep.
1: but what do you I mean what are your thoughts I mean we've talked about the parity in baseball
3: anything you're seeing that's Uh, There's a couple of things that are contributing this to me. Number one, you've got to remember they didn't get in a full season last year. These guys, it was a lot more strenuous offseason to get back up to speed. And I don't think a lot of guys are back up to speed. One of the things you can see, you know, you mentioned the records, and I feel like part of that lends to the parity. The concerning part is, to me, you see a lot of guys that are still in the starting lineup, and this is on every single team, that are batting 170 at this point we are almost just about a third into the season. Normally, you would see those guys either benched, demoted, but with the lack of options for, you know, the, the off-site, if you will, minor league baseball's finally coming back in and just started, you're seeing a lot of very terrible sub-50 points Mendoza line, you know, box scores for these guys. And to me, that's concerning because, you know, we mentioned about how, you know, everybody's concerned with exit velocity and launching angles. I think that's contributing to it as well. And I'm hoping that once hitters kind of hit their groove overall this year, You'll start to see those averages creep up and you'll see some of the perennial guys that do well start to kind of even out.
2: You know, John, uh, what you talked about with the uh, algorithms and so forth and so on is contributing to some bad psychology. Yes, these people are taking a bad approach to the game. Mm -hmm. Coaches are not able to correct that. I'll tell you one who surprises the daylights out of me. He was a cover boy even before baseball started Francisco Lindor of the New York Mets. He's off to a horrible start. (laughs) And he's a kid. Well, part of it is going for the long ball and things Mm -hmm. like that. And of course, we've we've discussed at length uh, our friend Mr. Carpenter up with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, who is. Who is as we approach today's game? I think one twelve somewhere around there, one one two,
3: and she does have an ERA of zero though, Matt. <laughs> so.
2: he does have that.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised. There's about 23 guys hitting over 500, hitting over 300 this year. Sorry if I can spit that out. And uh, the guy that's leading all of baseball right now is a catcher. With oh. the Chicago White Sox. That's right. You remember Mercedes? Yep. Is that how you say Mercedes. you mean Mercedes, Mercedes, yeah. Yeah. Mercedes.
3: He's a 28-year-old guy that came out of Mexico. I had no expectations for this guy. When I looked at the preseason rosters, I said, who? He has been consistently unbelievable to this point. Yeah,
2: but keep in mind, one of the reasons is they don't know how to pitch to him. Right. He's, he's a newcomer <laughs> into the American League. Uh, La is probably saying... Keep doing it, son. Keep doing
1: it and all that. He'll, he'll cool off. They'll he catch will. up. Xander Bogarts is having a good season at shortstop for the mm-hmm. Red Sox. Part of the reason why, for their success, along with J.D. Martinez, they're both having outstanding years, 354 yes, and 345. Mike Trout, always 336, <laughs> is up there. Are I, Let me ask all you guys this before we go into the commercial breaks. Are you tired? I'm personally tired of hearing of Otani, the, the oh, pitcher player. I mean, I don't. That seems to be a, a really propped up guy. What's your thoughts oh, on all
2: that? No, 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 no. He is the real deal. Uh, he, for one thing, he's big. He's a tall, angular guy who can pitch. He now, can he pitch on a regular basis in the major leagues and still play? probably not because this is a whole lot more demanding than it is in Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But given given all of his statistics and all of what he does on a regular basis with the bat and the ball, this guy's unique. And no, I don't I'm not tired of hearing him uh, of him at all. He is in my my opinion, a breath of fresh air to baseball. Here's a guy who is a multi-talented player mm-hmm. and, and can get it done.
3: Yeah, as far as Otani's concerned, Joe, I can see where you're coming from. But I've kind of watched his career trajectory up to this point. And he came on like a house of fire his rookie year. Then he got hurt and literally was dismissed as a flop. He's finally healthy. The guy can and hit. He is going to be a phenomenal big league hitter in his career. Ned mentioned the pitching is suspect. I don't think he can keep it up. He has special outings. But I think that's more of kind of a Swiss Army knife right now for the Angels. I think eventually he'll be a full-time outfielder, and he will have a very good offensive career in the major leagues.
1: I th- I think there's a health issue there. Really, I do. I yeah. think you're going to see more of it. And, it, and bigger guys have that mm-hmm. health issue. I mean, you're seeing it with the Yankees, with Judge and, and Judge. Uh, Stan. Yep. But they're both having a good year. I was uh, continuing to stroll down at the, scroll down the guys that were – below 300 batting averages, but there's some good averages in there too. I'd just like to see a little more of that. I'd like to Mm -hmm. see a little more 300 hitting in Major League Baseball. When we come back, we'll discuss what is going on in the world of the Missouri State Bears because they got a uh, rather significant move, and we'll talk to Ned about what he thinks about college transfers. It's all coming up next on Ned Talk.
0: You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
1: Yes, sir, Ned Talk. Chatting about sports on a Sunday afternoon, a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Hopefully you got us on out in the garage while you're doing something, maybe <laughs> riding around on the mower. <laughs> like think these guys know what they're talking about. We talked about baseball. Let's talk about football for a little bit. A big get for the uh, Missouri State Bears. We'll let uh, John take the lead on that.
3: His father. Interesting story that came through the ticker a few days ago. Uh, Tariq Owens, who is the son of, of course, now Hall of Fame wide receiver Terrell Owens. A young man that played at... uh, A college I hadn't heard of and then played for Florida Atlantic University, which is in a decent conference. They're a decent school. I believe that's the one Lane Kiffin coaches, correct? correct? Yeah. That's how you know they're not decent. (laughs) (laughs) So he has transferred to Missouri State. He's 6'3", 180. You know, everything looks good from a physique perspective. It'll be interesting to see how they utilize him. And, uh, you know, he's either going to be a big weapon or he'll... uh, You know, he'll probably eat most of the team buffet. We'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting
1: move. And uh, this is part of the larger conversation we want to get into about college transfers. And Ned, as always, has formed a well thought out opinion about those things. And I want to talk to him about it.
2: Many of them are good. There's no question about that. And many of them are done for legitimate reasons. But there are also far more that are done for reasons that have to be looked at with a shade of skepticism. And that is that the grass is going to be, oh, my goodness, I can go over here and everybody's going to love me and all that sort of thing. It doesn't work that way. And I'm afraid a lot of these kids are are thinking from the... Pollyanna standpoint, that everything is going to be just great, and you're going to be an All-America at the new locale. I don't know the Owens kid, you saw his father play, of course, forever and ever, <laughs> but uh, this this is an interesting move on his part, because he's leaving a 1A school, and they call it FBS, It is a lot of BS. (laughs) Uh, 1A for a 1AA. Now, a good 1AA team. I think the Bears are going to be pretty good. But why is he leaving? Why is he coming up here leaving Boca Raton for Springfield, Missouri? Springfield, Missouri in November and October. Well, October, November, December in the winter. Ain't Boca Raton, folks. (laughs) But, But I just had some skepticism about all these kids who are suddenly leaving, going into the the portal transfer, or transfer portal, I guess is what it's called, and making themselves available. I just do not have a lot of confidence in some of the kids who
4: are going elsewhere. Do you think a lot of it is because they, they feel like they're not getting the playing time they want, and so that's that grass is greener on the other side mentality? Like, here's a school who says, hey, you're going to get more playing time if you transferred us. And then my question is, how much interaction do these schools get to have with these players to convince them to transfer. Is that? Number two, the answer is limited. Number
2: one, why are they? Because they're spoiled little blankety-blank. <laughs> They've never had their blankety-blank kicked. Yep. Well, and, for
4: uh, you know, like for Jalen Hurts, it made sense for him to transfer to Oklahoma. Doubt. Because oh, that's, once, that's once Tua came on, Jalen knew that he wasn't going to be the starter at Alabama, and he was still a really good quarterback. But I kind of agree with you. I think a lot of it is they, they get their feelings hurt that they – Don't catch enough passes or don't get enough carries or whatever. And so they see another opportunity where they feel like they're going to get more playing time. How long has this transfer portal been in place?
2: This is only the second year for it. And it's going to be on a limited basis because it hasn't been totally okayed yet. It it is for this year. Uh, It's fine this year. And keep in mind the transfer portal. When you transfer to a school, you can do so without having to sit out. Mm-hmm. That is for one year. Right. Mm-hmm. If you do it again, you're you're behind on the mm-hmm. bench, and eventually you're going to uh, use up your eligibility. Mm-hmm. I, I just I'm not I just have a lot of skepticism about the whole thing.
1: Yeah. He played at uh, Contra Costa College. That's the college. I'm having to think,
2: Joe, that that's a JUCO.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seven games, 15 catches as a freshman in his debut. He caught. Three passes for 90 yards and had a touchdown in each of his last two games. But we know too that just because your father or mother or you know somebody you related to was a professional athlete doesn't always translate. I mean, you look at Michael Jordan's sons; neither one of them, uh, you know, they played a little bit of college basketball.
3: Pete Rose Jr.
1: Pete Rose Jr. And 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 that's not knocking those. That's <laughs> not knocking those individuals because it it to be at a certain level of athletics. It takes a certain type of mindset to get there. And oftentimes you find that the children of athletes, they don't have that same hunger. They don't have that same drive. Mm-hmm. Case in point, Joe, there are many champions, many
2: champion athletes whose offspring have not even chosen to be in athletics. I'll give right. you a classic example of one. Joe Lewis, the great heavyweight mm-hmm. champion, his real name was Joe Lewis Barrow, and they shortened it to Joe Lewis. His son who are still living is a most accomplished attorney yes, and uh, a a representative, an agent, so to speak, for some athletes. But the fact is that he never pursued athletics at all. Mm -hmm. It didn't hit him in the same desire. Just because you come from that bloodline does not necessarily mean you're going to be a
1: star. And you find, too, a lot of athletes don't want their children to go down Mm -hmm. that route Mm -hmm. because they just don't want to put them through the same things that they had to go through to get to the level that they want to go to. But it, it, it's a nice get for the Missouri State Bears because this Absolutely. is a guy who, uh, you know, it doesn't appear that he's a, a top blue chip prospect, as they refer to in, in athletics. But still, because of his father, he has a name and he's coming to Missouri State and he probably would not have even been on the board for Missouri State over the last three or four years until we coach Petrino comes here and right. and the and the team makes some noise well there's
2: no question that coach Petrino's presence has indeed improved the whole scope of things uh for Missouri State in case in points their five and one comeback mm. again yep they didn't play the toughest of teams but they were there And you can't deny that. I think this fall schedule that the Bears play under Coach Petrino is really going to be interesting to see how much they've really turned it around because they'll play the full 11-game schedule and then hopefully more after that. But the full 11-game schedule and then see what happens. Incidentally, why I think about it, where are we here, 12.30? Coming up in just a short time is the FCS National Championship game. Hmm. And again, a Missouri Valley Conference team, South Dakota State, who the Bears did not play this year. Against Sam Houston State, that'll be a very, very good football game.
1: Where can people watch that game?
2: I don't. I think it's on. If I'm not mistaken, ABC. I think oh, they really? have it on national wow. television. Really?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird to talk this late in May <laughs> yeah. about football. football? Yeah, and
2: hopefully it's... it'll never happen again.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, unless we're talking about some startup football league. No, I like them. No. I love talking about startup football. I love startup football leagues. Joe, you're they're all, my all about the startup. Oh, football. I love them. I think they're great. The I love 1- those startup One
2: for this this year had a level of credibility because we knew it was yeah. going to happen and because of a pandemic. But in terms of a new league starting up, I personally can't get excited about it.
1: Oh, I do. I think it's just great. The team names and just the excitement that goes around it, the cities. that Oh, just I, I love it. <laughs> That's just me. Let's talk uh, about the Kansas City Chiefs, though. Things are a little bit quiet in the uh, world of NFL football. I mean, the schedule did come out this week, and we'll talk about that in a second. But they they did make a trade. They got Mike Hughes from the Vikings uh, to help shore up the backfield, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the defensive backfield. D-backs, so, D-backs, yeah. um, what do you know about Mike Hughes? I know nothing about him, other than the fact that he played <laughs> uh, played for the Vikings and uh, the
2: Chiefs. Of course, well, any team is going to do this, not the, necessarily just the Chiefs, but they ballyhoo the fact that we're picking up this guy from the Vikings and going to be a big help. Well, they wouldn't have gotten him if they didn't think he was going to be a big help. Of course, let's see how they play on the uh, on the field. It does lend me to believe that maybe, maybe there is some doubt that some of these other players who are back there—I'm not going to pinpoint anybody—but they do have some older players may not be uh, fitting the bill. Brashad Breland and and people uh, of that caliber. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to name any names, but... And, yeah, go ahead. Kendall Kendall names. names, the names. <laughs> Still, the yeah. fact is that they could use some help back there. So this will be depth, if nothing else.
1: He's a uh, first-round draft pick from the Vikings, and he was number 30th overall in 2018. Brashad Breeland is a free agent and unsigned, and he goes along also with DeAndre Baker, who was a former first-round Draft pick the from the New York Giants mm-hmm. that the that the Chiefs have signed. He had a broken leg and missed the final regular season game last season. DeAndre Baker did. Interesting though, because we were talking off air before we went into this segment about how the Chiefs have really, really fixed, or at least on paper fixed, the issues that they had their secondary got some depth there i won't. we you know we don't know until you see these guys play and then of course the offensive line got some depth there so kind of exciting but as you said you don't know they have to play the games they don't play them on paper
2: (laughs) and in the national football league your rate of attrition physical rate of attrition is so so much a factor in how a team's going to end up and that's a that's an intangible you can't predict Mm -hmm. that going to happen
1: nope We're going to talk about luck and
0: superstition.
1: It's our roundtable talk. It's coming up next on Ned Talk.
0: You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
1: We try to dedicate this portion of the show to sort of a roundtable discussion, something that may be on topic or off topic, and today it's superstition, because we've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks about superstition. And I was curious, Ned, before you went on, did you eat chicken every night? Well, I eat chicken often,
2: but it has nothing to do with superstition.
1: You're not a Wade Boggs guy? You didn't sit and no, eat chicken every night no, before you no, went on the no, air zero. just just for luck? Did you, did you have anything superstitious you did before you went on when air? When I was
2: a kid, yes. Uh, and listen, now keep in mind, we didn't watch baseball games back then. We listened to them. That was the that was the only way you covered uh, the Phillies or the Philadelphia A's back when I was a kid growing up. The Phillies and I was an avowed Phillies fan. They had this little litany that they'd go through in the seventh inning. All right, seventh inning, gang, stand up, tug on your cap, rub your noses, cross your fingers, and grab a good old bottle of Budweiser beer. Anyway, (laughs) that part of it had to be left out. But standing up and rubbing your oh Uh did all that all the time, and it never worked.
1: (laughs) What about you, John? Were you were superstitious at all when you played? Huge.
3: You yeah. Know, and, I, you know, still to this day, I have certain super. Anybody that's played sports that I know, you know, you had like your lucky socks if you had a good game, that sort of thing. Um, one thing I'll share, baseball related, the best superstition story I've ever heard is Mookie Wilson, who was, of course, a, uh, a Mets, you know. Pretty Pop- good Mets pond scum. Yeah, yeah, pond scum, if you <laughs> will. They had an article and they asked different players, you know, what do you do to get out of a slump? And he said, well... I just think to myself that I believe in dinosaurs because if I believe in them, then maybe they'll believe in me. <laughs> that was his answer? That's his
2: quote. That is awesome. If I believe in them, then maybe, and I get out of a slump that way? <laughs> Mookie, oh where are you, man That's
1: <laughs> That's just a great philosophy to live your life by. Right. Just remember that when you get up in the morning and the day is not going so well. Believe in dinosaurs because mm-hmm. maybe... They believe in, in you. They
4: believe in the fright. <laughs> what about you, Josh? Josh? <laughs> well, I, I was never good enough at baseball to develop any did, kind. Did of you did you have any football superstitions? I, yeah, though. I had my like my favorite pair of shoes that I would wear mm-hmm. up to, you know, the locker room before every game and I'm sure I had a pair of socks that just reeked because I wore them all the time. <laughs> was there a, Because you guys played at
1: Glendale, was there anything at Glendale that, like, everybody did? You know, you'll see oh, yeah. these football games where they touch yes. the sign or they touch it. Oh, at yeah. Glendale,
4: there's a plaque coming out of the locker room that says, play like champions mm-hmm. today, and everybody would slap that as you go out on the field. Baseball <laughs> yeah. huge with superstitions. Didn't say, everybody, <laughs> right. everybody. everybody.
1: You better be out there running. Yeah. Uh, they didn't right. say that? No, no it didn't.
2: Out. There is a very famous story from the 1951 New York Giants when they came from 13 and a half games down in August and overhauled the Dodgers and forced them into a playoff. So during that during that streak, they won, I, I think it was 17 or 18 straight games. The great Bobby Thompson did not change his clothes in that time period. Oh, my Oof. Lord. <laughs> I'm not going to change them as long as we win. Well, I got a little yeah. on the ripe side. Let's put it that way. Would that
3: make sure. that the
1: shot that was smelled around the world?
0: <laughs> yeah. Very good job.
1: <laughs> I, I was so superstitious when I played baseball. I played in the time when you actually had the sep- separate stirrups. Arms. Oh, stirrups, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah so so mm-hmm. I got a hit in a game, and for some reason my shirt was untucked and my stirrups were hanging out. I didn't have them in my shoes. So I played the rest of the season with my shirt hanging out yep. and my stirrups hanging out and drove my parents absolutely <laughs> crazy because I was the sloppiest looking kid on the baseball field because of that. What was so your average that year, though? I hit 400 that year. Nice. See?
3: Yeah. It worked. Superstitions it work. <laughs> have always permeated sports. And you know the best example I can think of in, in pop culture is if you watch the movie The Natural, you yeah. know, the bat, you know. Oh, yeah that that Robert Redford has. I mean, everybody remembers that moment. And, you know, the bat breaks. Oh, no. What does he do? You know, and in recent memory, Tiger Woods with the red victory shirts. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. mean, there's, there's always superstition, I think, in almost every sport.
2: Most wacko of all, Mark the Bird Fidrich. Oh, Fidrich. oh yeah. <laughs> this guy was <laughs> utterly wacko. Getting down on his knees, dusting off the rubber with his hand, and then uh, going over and kissing the baseline and all sorts of Foolish, and of course, part of nice. it was a show because the guy's a, <laughs> oh, a little yeah. bit off center. But uh, these were all superstitions that he went through. A mm-hmm. lot of them, and you'll see this mostly with pitchers when they leave, they will will not touch that baseline. Absolutely, I would.
1: I was one of my yeah, superstitions. I jumped over it. Yeah, would, nope. uh, Sparky Anderson Never. was the first guy I saw do that, and he was like, "You know why? We don't. You know, you, you don't want to break the line." It. Yep. You know, Mark Fidrich, really interesting guy because there's guys that come along in, in I think, every sport that electrify it for maybe just a moment. Mm-hmm. And he was one of those guys. I mean, when he pitched, everybody stopped and watched him, mm-hmm. you know, the antics. But also, in that first season that he pitched, he was electric. Yes, he just was. Just a phenomenal Zero. pitcher. And then such a sad end to his life, too, because he, he was a farmer and then mm-hmm. his tractor Fell on top of him, and there oh, was correct. nobody around to be able to get to him. So, I mean, he, he basically knew he was going to pass. That's away. exactly mm-hmm.
2: what happened. He was working on it underneath that slipped off the jack, I think is yeah, what
3: it was. Yeah, exactly and what happened. And yeah, he
2: could not, uh, I think they got him out alive, but he was far too damaged him
1: to uh, live. Who was that. the guy? I'm trying to think of the guy that pitched for the Dodgers from uh, one of the first Japanese players. No, it's not, um, not Japanese, but he came over from Mexico.
3: Oh, Fernando well, yeah, Valenzuela. Yeah, Valenzuela was the same oh, way. Nando. just yeah.
1: just electric when you w- had to you had to watch him. And the, and then the career never lives up to the early hype. Yeah, and especially pitchers because of the the injury factor that pitchers go through. Have you ever tried right to
3: on? breathe through your eyelids, Joe? Because no. <laughs> that's that's what Fernando touted, and I don't. It didn't work for me. <laughs> Fernando's crazy. still around, guys. Yes? He's still
2: coaching and and teaching baseball mostly in Mexico. But yeah, he's. So, he, and he had, come on now, he had a pretty good career. He did. So there's
1: They're still nanomania. out yeah, there. Yeah, but not not living up to that, you know, the electric moments sure. early on in the career. Another guy I think of is Louis Tiant. Oh, When yeah. he would turn and look at second and, base yeah. <laughs> and then throw pitch. Well,
2: that was his style more, yeah. than, more than it was. A uh, show. As yeah. far as superstition is concerned, I can't, oh gosh, you guys are going to help me out. The Cardinals second baseman who everybody blasted pitch when he was at bat. Every pitch, step out and tighten his gloves and all that. Uh, oh, oh, I remember Garcia Parra doing that. Yeah, uh, no more no, Garcia Parra. No oh, Skip Schumacher. Skip Schumacher, yes. Skip he had Schumacher. a whole routine. Lord yep. almighty, you talk about a delay mm-hmm. and long games. I mean, every pitch, and he's out and tightens him up and so forth and so on. I think
4: Nomar was the worst with that, though. It was um. annoying because he'd step out of the box and he's <laughs> <laughs> messing with his gloves all the time. And
1: Baseball's the the sport that's filled with with the most of those. I mean, uh, I think it was it, um Hawaii. He coaches the Knicks now. Uh, had that thing that he would uh, wipe his forehead. And that was a symbol to his kids. Oh, yes. Um, what's his um. name? Jeff...
3: Um, Van Gundy, I believe.
1: Or no, no, not Van Gundy. It's um, he played for the Phoenix Suns. It's not uh, oh, Hornacek? Hornacek? Yeah, Jeff yeah, Hornacek. Jeff Hornacek. Yeah, Jeff Hornacek. Okay. He wiped. He wiped before every free throw. He wiped his brow so that it yeah. was just. A, it was just a, a message to his kids. You see kickers do that silly thing where they go out there and they do the yeah the uh, the line they, they with their the, hand. They do the line with their hand. Like what's that's really wow.
3: what's it supposed to do? Or well, what about rally caps? I mean, you talk I about baseball
1: superstitions. I love baseballs the most. I mean, can yeah. baseball does of, have the most. Can you think of any in the other sports
4: that you really <sighs> playoff beards in hockey? Yeah, yeah. Playoff beards are a huge one. Yeah, you're about to see that because the hockey playoffs are about to start. And none of those guys are going to shave until they're. Out of the yeah. playoffs, so the Stanley Cup's going to be a bunch of bearded warriors. You're talking about the the
2: gestures to the crowd as being superstitious. Gary Templeton, oh yeah, a great gesture to the crowd. Yeah, wasn't <laughs> that wasn't superstitious. That was pointed,
1: Ned. <laughs> there was a great article written about Gary Templeton in uh, there used to be a magazine called Baseball Magazine, and uh, there was an article written about him called "Funny Thing Happened to Gary Templeton on the Way to the Hall of Fame." Yeah. Yep. Because he would have been, he could have been a Hall of Fame baseball player. And, it, and that was such an electric trade when they traded Templeton to the Padres for Ozzy Smith.
3: Mm-hmm. Can I plug a book real quick since sure, we're on go this ahead, topic? Yeah. Uh, I don't have any interest in this, obviously. So this isn't a, a pay situation. But there is a book out there, if you're a baseball fan, called The Wax Pack. And if you have a chance to pick it up and read it, I would highly recommend it if you were a baseball fan in the late 70s or early 80s. It's a gentleman that grew up a baseball fan, you know, was obsessed with it, much like you and I, Ned and Joe. He uh, he started collecting cards in 1986. And so later on, he became a journalist. And so he bought a pack of 1986 Topps cards. There were 15 cards in the pack. And his mission was whoever the 15 guys were he got out of the pack, he would go find them, interview them and talk to them about their time in baseball. Templeton came out of that pack. Vince Coleman came out of that pack. Uh Carlton Fisk. uh, Steve Steve Yeager Uh was in that pack. Just a litany of guys, and it's amazing the stories he has because he just did it all by car, rode around the country, took a summer and did it. And it's fascinating the facts he got to come out of these former players.
1: Gary Templeton. (laughs) Only here on Ned Talk do you hear a name like Gary Templeton come up. (laughs) We'll wrap up the show in just a minute. Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave.
0: Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Yes. Yes. We
1: are doing Ned Talk. We're at the end of the show where we talk about we're going to watch on (laughs) TV this afternoon. I want to do some housekeeping. Uh, Mitch Holtis will be coming this summer. Ned, what is the date for that? Do you know? July the 22nd. July 22nd. It'll be at the Riff, which we've had it there for the last couple of years. That is at the corner of Sunset and kansas expressway it is uh, there's a, a filling station right there at the corner and it's with classic rock coffee and that's where we'll be and if you haven't been to one of these it's a lot of fun because mitch holtis knows more about the chiefs than probably anybody else short of uh people in the front office and uh andy reed but we'll be excited to have that once again it is a really really good night mitch is a great speaker and uh we're Always proud to have Ned as part of that, too, because Ned is a fantastic MC for those events. And uh, they have great camaraderie and answer some questions and tell us about what's going on in the world of the Kansas City Chiefs. And tickets for that are available, I believe, right now. Are they on sale I think now? they probably
2: are going on sale, but don't don't hold me to that. I, I will like tell you, most... though, as opposed to a speech, uh, what we do is interview Mitch. Yeah. And I, I'm telling you guys, Art Haynes and I do the interview we, he doesn't know ahead of time what we're going to ask. There is nothing that he cannot answer in in terms of Kansas City, and they're all free-flowing answers. And there are no ums and hems uh, and haws and so forth and so on. He is a very good interviewee. Yes, he is.
1: So we can't wait for that to happen. Also, I want to remind you that the home for the Springfield, well, St. Louis Cardinals, sorry, St. Louis Cardinals, is on our sister station, 105.1 The Bull. So you can listen to the games there if you like. And I wanted to bring up one more superstition. When I'm watching the games, I will wear my Yankee jersey and I will touch the NY. Oh, nice. and I will touch my hat and I will say, "Do something good. Do something good." Hey, that's great. That's my superstition. It, it generally doesn't work anymore, but <laughs> doesn't work. Believe so Ned, in the magic. Believe what are you gonna watch magic. this afternoon? Well, if I if I do watch,
2: it'll probably be the FCS championship game, the one AA championship game. Uh, the I on my home system that I have, I don't see the Cardinals. They're not. They're not listed. That Mm -hmm. gives you an idea of what kind of a system I have. It's a streaming system. Same one as me. (laughs) And uh, so I can't see them except tonight. Mm -hmm. And the Sunday night game is on. That is part of my system. So I'll watch probably a little bit of the Cardinals and the Padres tonight. And hopefully the Redbirds will... Have a less margin than thirteen to three that they lost by
1: last night. Gracious, John. What about you? What are you? What's on your schedule for the evening? For
3: well, the day like Ned, I'll be uh, I'll be watching the Cardinals tonight. I'll hope for I. The game was free on Fox Sports One last night, and I turned off a free game, Ned. I couldn't handle it anymore. That <laughs> I did. It was free. It was free. Yeah, and it was. I it missed was, it. No, I didn't. Miss it, it was. Vul- it was vulgar.
2: <laughs> if you want to call a baseball
3: game that. I'll just rest during the day and you know, watch the cards tonight and see what they can do. What about you, Josh? Soccer
4: on? Cricket? Something? <laughs> uh, no, soccer's over at this point for the day. This, that season's almost over, too. They only have one more game. The season never ends. Come on. Well, yeah. They still have Champions League stuff later, but the actual Premier League only has one game left, and Manchester City's already clinched it, so... You're not going to watch football,
1: John? Or, I mean, I'm sorry, basketball?
4: You're not... Because you're, basc- you're our basketball yeah, fan. Not today.
3: Yeah, I, I watch. It. I get excited some days and watch it. Right now, there's a lot
4: on the line for these teams today. Uh, well, the last game the I'm suffering from Laker burnout about the six seeds.
3: In the so. playoffs? Are
2: there? Are there any other teams? No, not Lakers? that I know. Wait, that's all the media ever talks about. The hey, Lakers right. this
1: and the Lakers that. The Steph Curry's is. had an amazing end right. of the season. Oh my
2: god. You're right. Just amazing. Fantastic. Joe, while I think about it, there is no show next week. Is that right? Yeah,
1: no show next week. We were uh, taking the week off because our, our namesake, Ned Reynolds, will be doing the Springfield Cardinals game. And, by the way, does a fantastic win. job. He and Scott Bales do yes, a phenomenal do. job mm-hmm. with those games. Thank so.
2: you. That's very nice. We enjoy doing them, and I hope when we go on next week, they will have more than one win. Yes, yeah, hopefully.
1: <laughs> so, And I'm sorry I interrupted, Josh. And oh, no, you're, you're
4: fine. I, I, I may check out the the uh, division fcs yeah the fcs that'd be be a good football game to watch
1: you know i'm just having fun watching baseball period yeah i turn on games in the i have a tv in my office at work which uh may have been a huge mistake on the owner's (laughs) parts but i uh i i turn it on and i watch i just whoever i watch and i i find that i'm really enjoying it more than i have um for a lot of years, John knows this. I coach baseball, and man, that uh, that'll suck the baseball out of you pretty quickly. It's <laughs> coaching it with the kids. You're yeah. you kind of get over it pretty fast. Well, Ned, have a good game next week, and uh, we will be watching and listening to you in two weeks. In two. Well, two weeks. I'm telling you, next week you have a game. A no, no our
2: next show will be in two weeks, though.
1: Yes, our next show will be in two weeks, but I'm talking about. Next week, when you do the game, thank you. We will be watching, right? (laughs) So, until then, we will see you guys. I want to say thanks to Mike the intern, Corbin Campbell, Scott Meyer, and everybody else who brings you this fantastic show. If you're just (laughs) tuning in and thinking, gosh, I'm missing it, well, you can download it as a podcast through our website, wherever you get your podcast at, or you can listen to it on the Cave app. It's Dead Talk. We'll see you guys in two weeks.